Hello, welcome back to Do The Franchise with me, Jake. And uh, still me, James, just about. <laughs> it feels strange, doesn't it? Um, so we've had a little bit of time away, um, albeit about six months. <laughs> I, I'm but, just uh, glad you've here. come back. I'm glad you've come back to us, listeners. You know, yes. It'd be, it, assuming someone is listening, if this is just going out to the void, then I'm glad the void's still here. I imagine that our audio will be a bit like one of those things they send into outer space that they said that aliens are listening to, but by the time aliens get to us to listen, they'll go, where did that come from? You're like, mate, they've been fossils for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine if if our podcast is a time capsule someone discovers and they just assume that, yeah, Yeah. we do do about three weeks' work and then we have six months off and then we do another three weeks' work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is it. If if we've got a regular uh, life, uh, you know, in that we both podcast professionally, which we don't, by the way, shocking, um, then we would have more time to do this and we would just watch a lot more films. But as it is, we both live exceptionally boring yet busy lives. <laughs> could, could we just blame the actors' strike? There's been no new films, so we've not reviewed anything. Yeah, Let's exactly. Do that. Nothing's I mean, happened. We'll ignore the fact that we review historically released films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just blame well, the writers and the actors striking. There was nothing to James, talk about. James has also had a bad voice for six months, if no one can notice in this audio, um, that his voice hasn't been on point. So I'm going to blame your voice yeah, on the let's lack blame of podcasts. My voice, the actors strike and the writers strike. And um, we're, 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 there hasn't been a global pandemic anymore to blame. So we had to find something. Well, we did. We had a lot of time on our hands in 2020, didn't we? So yeah, that's true. Um, this is our return. We are going to try and make this regular again now that we're back on the air. Um, we figured it would be a good place to start in what is typically one of my favourite times of the year to watch films, um, which is of course Halloween. Ooh. Um, it's also fun because James gets to put this like spooky intro on our regular intro, which I always enjoy, even though I'm one of the few people that listens to that bit and doesn't just fast forward to the podcast. I like it. I like the spooky intro. Um, so yeah, this is a good place to start with. Um, I think anytime you want to watch a spooky movie, there's always like, what do we watch? What have we seen? What have we not seen? So James and I always try to like give a little bit of something you might not have seen, maybe something you've not seen in a while, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I we, we, we wanted to, this time around, uh, really laser focus on on uh, two films. A really good film that will be well worth watching and a really bad film that you may hate us for, but it's still worth watching. Yeah, and then we're going to discuss a film that has sparked a franchise, which is not just ongoing. Uh, I literally think they've just released one last month, this month, last month. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that as well. Um, first things first... I thought I would choose... This is weird. So me and Natalie, my wife, did this thing where we always go through around this time of year trying to find a couple of movies to watch. Or we'll watch like an afternoon Sunday film, which will typically be a scary movie. So that would have been the day before yesterday because today is actually Halloween, which is actually when this went out and is actually when we recorded it, which is rare. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I thought my... I'm going to go with my really shit film first. And I didn't know it was a shit film. But I have this little theory, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. 
This is the, I think, that horror films struggle with their third act. I was talking to Gareth at work about this the other day, and he was like, there's so many good horror films, though. And I was like, there are, but typically the horror genre for me lets itself down in the third act. I find, do you know what I mean, James? Yeah. It, they have a good setup, a good middle bit where you kind of intrigued or there's something spooky happening, and then the main character has to go on some sort of investigative quest. And then by the time you get to the third act, it's like, Oh, it's an albino midget with a growth disorder who's also a troll. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm it, lost. It, 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 <laughs> I think that's it, isn't it? It's the reveal of the villain, of the monster, is always yeah. less impressive than whatever you've built up in your head. Yeah, or it's like they don't... It's not even the thing that you think it, the, the thing is going to be. The Thing is a good example. That's a good film. Yeah. Um, but in some films, it's... it. I don't know. It's uh, So this is a good example of one I wanted to talk about. This film, I think, was released in 2007. Uh, I'm going to have a look right now. Uh, I'm just uh, clicking away on my laptop. I do this enjoy film... that our research hasn't got any better in the last six months. <laughs> well, this is funny because I've got oh, two different conflicting films of the same title. One came out... <laughs> So one came out in 2007, uh, the other one came out in 2008. The 2007 one is a short, it's not a, a, a feature-length film. Okay. The one I'm talking about is the feature-length film, which came out in 2008, which stars uh, Kiefer, Lef- Kiefer Sutherland and Paula Patton. This film is called Mirrors. Ah. Um, I'd never seen this film, so I heard it was a remake of a horror film. I think it was a South Korean film. I believe. Right, right. And it was remade as an American, just like they always do. You think it's South Korea and it's scary. Yeah. What could make it even better? Let's make it American. Because <laughs> <laughs> that always works really well in films. Um, so they've made mirrors with Kiva Sutherland. I was intrigued, James. Yes. I went in thinking... You know, this this has got to be, you know, half decent. Kiefer doesn't, you know, make crap films, does he generally? Like, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty um, solid bet. It's it's not. <laughs> oh. Oh, Keith. Um, I'm going to see what the Rotten Tomato score for this was. I lost it earlier. I don't think it was particularly low. Uh, oh, no, it is. It's 14%. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's got that. It's it's kind of nonsense. Uh, a load of cool setups, mirrors. There's a man that's killed himself, and there's things in the mirrors that are telling people to do things. And it's like spooky ghosts, demons. Um, and Kiefer goes on investigation. He's he's a copper who's disgraced, which doesn't really come back as a plot point. He uh, he becomes a security guard. The mirrors start happening. Things start going spooky. People start dying. Uh, and then it all goes off the rails at the end to the point where my missus says, I think they've got a thing in films like this where they just go, we've got about a hundred grand left in the budget. What should we do? Blow up the set. <laughs> yeah. I think she's, you, she's probably not wrong. I think eventually, because yeah. like you say, sometimes yeah. they, they, they just borrow from a, uh, a, a Korean film house and they, they take a storyline, but, it was a potentially not a full length feature. It was a shorter film. It was yeah. more concise. Or they do like you mentioned earlier. They'd start with a short, and then they go, "That was a really good idea. Can you make a film out of this?" And they yeah. say, "How much money?" They don't actually yeah. think about the plot. They just go, "How much money? How much money can I use to make this?" So yeah, I think they'd probably just do blow up the set at the end. Yeah, there's a bit you'll like in it, right? And uh, me and my missus couldn't get past it. But there's there's Kiefer has this problem as as the character Ben. 
where he uh, every time something happens, even if it's just a minor thing, he gets really pissed off. <laughs> and he just goes, I says she'll ring up and she'll be like, honey, we've got no milk. And he just goes, oh, fuck Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really strange. And the more you watch the film, the weirder it Because he, he does it more frequently in the movie. And there is literally a bit in the film. This is sort of spoiler alert, no spoilers, because it's, it's stupid. But you'll like this, James. He literally takes all the mirrors out of his wife's house, puts them in the garden, and then starts shooting them. And he's trying to convince his wife he's not crazy. Probably not the best start to that argument. Oh, I'm not great. crazy. I've just got to destroy these mirrors. Why? Well, yeah. oh, you wouldn't believe me. It's brilliant. That's my that's my my bad choice. But go and watch it because I want you guys to see if you got fourteen percent out of it. Yeah, we we <laughs> need you to I suffer did. alongside us oh, with this God. one. I genuinely thought it can't be that bad. It's on uh, like now TV or whatever, and I, I clicked on it and thought, oh, this looks kind of spooky. I've not seen this before. Let's give it a watch. And uh. yeah. so, what was yours, James? <clears throat> right, uh, my film Jake was released in nineteen ninety five. Oh, okay. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read you the the IMDb synopsis and see if you can guess what film it is. Oh, I love this. Right. Okay. I'm okay. gonna guess it based on the synopsis. Right. Yep. A huge shark terrorizes a beach in Florida, and the locals <laughs> try everything to kill it. Right. Well, it's not Jaws because that's on the I'm at the island. Um, Florida. Um, Sharknado. You're wrong. It is cruel Jaws. What's Cruel Jaws? Cruel Jaws is one of those films that they put in, uh, like, bargain bins to make you think that it's a film you actually want to watch, when in reality, it's not. Except this one kind of is. So, Cruel Jaws, uh, it, it is a shark film. It's got a lot of similarities with actual Jaws to the point where they actually use or reuse... Uh, clips from Jaws 1 and 2. And right. yeah, so they, all the shark scenes are basically from Jaws. <laughs> but this film's called Cruel Jaws. It gets a more than respectable for what it is 3.4 out of 10. God. Is this a straight to video then? I've never even heard of this. Yeah, this, I think this went straight to video. <coughs> um, it is. Acting-wise, it's of a similar level to people who remember my favourite Troll 2. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's quite similar to that. In fact, you'd almost be convinced that these people weren't actors and they just had a camera thrust at them. It's uh, so strange. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely not a good film <laughs> in any way. <laughs> it doesn't star anybody that you might know, uh, except for the rip-off scenes from Jaws and Jaws 2. Surely they would have got sued for that, though. Surely they can't just take Spielberg's bits from the first Jaws film. Can they? Apparently, they can. Apparently, they did, anyway. They they stole all the footage, basically, and released the film. Uh, So it takes uh, footage from Jaws, uh, Jaws 2, Deep Blood, which was a uh, a film released in 1989, and The Last Shark from 1981, and in fact, Jaws 3 as well from 1983. So it takes all these films and um, (laughs) 
some of the the trivia on IMDb uh, is great. One of the goofs that it recognises is sometimes the shark is clearly a dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Which which makes me giggle. And one of the quotes is, we're going to need a bigger helicopter. So you can can see the sort of calibre. But it is technically a horror film and technically worth watching at Halloween. James, James, all I need to know is, does somebody blow up Cruel Jaws at the end? I believe Cruel Jaws gets blown up at the end, James. I mean, <laughs> it does say... I'm in. I'm they, in. <laughs> it does say the locals try everything to kill it. And I think right. everything includes blowing, blowing Cruel yeah, Jaws up. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree. Uh, last bit of trivia, the runtime's about an hour and 37. So I don't... It's <laughs> <laughs> short. <laughs> So yeah, I uh, I think it's well worth a quick watch. <laughs> I love that whenever we review anything on this podcast, we end it with, well, at least it's only short. <laughs> oh, um, right, so, I'm going to give you, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, give me a good film. Let's do a palate cleanse. Give me a good film after Cruel Jaws. I genuinely watched this film the other week. I think this film has got better the the longer it's been out. Um I think when I first watched it, I was probably like a teenager, so I thought it was a little bit odd and a bit camp. Yeah. Um, but actually going back and watching it as an adult, as someone that likes the books, who who's a fan of this generally, Ooh. I can't think of a better way of spending Halloween than watching this. Um, this is Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh. Uh, from 1992. Oh, I think good we've probably talked about it before on the podcast, because it's so cool. Um, yeah. It's 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 Gary Oldman being Gary Oldman. Uh, he's Dracula. He's brilliant. Uh, Ke- Keanu Reeves is trying uh, his best to affect a British he, accent. He turned up. He turned up. Um, um, there's some amazing bits with Anthony Hopkins being crazy Van Helsing. Yeah. Uh, and and Winona Ryder, uh, beautiful as she always is, and is the the teen crush of everyone's life in the 80s and 90s. But she's great as well. It, I just think it's such a cool gothic film. It really captures the essence of the novel. It's got that sort of pseudo sexy, strange, gothic, terrifying, uh, weird um, th- fantasy about it. But you know, there's bits where there's people licking nipples, there's blood everywhere, there's there's werewolves having sex with maidens. It's all very odd, but it's kind of just amazing for a Halloween spectacle. And I I think it's a better film. I didn't know how good how much I enjoyed it until I went back and watched it recently. So yeah, that would be my my pick of the year to go and watch this year. Oh, I think that's that's a perfect pick. Very, very Halloween-y. Yeah, it's got 78% on Rotten Tomatoes still, which is pretty good. I think its audience score is even higher than its critical score, which is also good. Yeah. I um, think but yeah. a lot of horror movies do struggle with critical reviews, don't they? From Yeah, know, definitely. Um, because like you say, you could dismiss it as being overly camp, but mm-hmm. I think it's it's a great film. It, it kind is. of captures the essence of the book and it's gothic literature. So it's all about, it's all strobe lighting. The edits are really bizarre. There's people walking backwards up walls like spiders. It's kind of got the freaky Halloween-y camp aspect that everything that you want. Yeah. Um, a little bit like Hocus Pocus does, which is another great Halloween film. Um, but Hocus Pocus is the kid version and it's about witches and it's silly. This is an 18 and it's got lots of blood, mm. lots of gore, lots of sex, lots of murder in it. So... You kind of know what you're getting from it. And I think if you're a fan of of the sort of gothic fiction, uh, vampires, werewolves, and you like those old classics, I don't think you go wrong with this. 
No. It's great. Oh, no, it's brilliant. It's, it's well worth a watch. And it's kind of funny as well in places. It is kind of funny in places. You need a bit of humour. Definitely. Which sort of segues nicely to my recommendation. Yeah, I can't wait for this. So, um, this one is an hour and 51 minutes. So not that much longer than Cruel Jaws. Mm. Uh, But it gets substantially higher marks. IMDb give it 7.4 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, It came out a year later than Cruel Jaws. And Mm. uh, it's also an 18. I'm going to recommend people watch Scream. Ah, the original Scream. The original Scream. Yes. Now, I think the others are probably fun camp adventures in some ways, but I think Mm -hmm. the original Scream really captured a lot of people's attention because it was something that people hadn't really seen done in a current setting at the time. You know, a lot of the previous slasher films were from the 80s. Uh, and very much set in the 80s. So this one had its r- a real 90s vibe and it was very much sort of pinning that to its chest. Um, so this is a film most people have probably seen once already, but definitely go and watch it again because it is, mm. it's got a wicked cast. It's got some real funny moments. It's got some great sort of meta commentary on horror films. Yeah, I like the uh, breaking the fourth wall aspect of, of the original Scream. Um, I think me and Natalie watched them a couple of years ago. I think we watched the first two or three, and then we watched the newer one that came out last year, I think, or the year before, um, which has got the original sort of cast back in it, David Arquette's back in it. That was quite good. Yeah. Because it does, an, it does the opening. Have you seen it? it? It does the opening 10 minutes of Scream 1 exactly the same with a newer, up-to-date actress... Um, and it's and it's and she's on a cell phone and she's got one of those like uh, home apps that can lock the door. Um, <laughs> it, it's good, you know. What I mean, it's very yeah. like you say. It's very meta. It's very self-aware, but it's also really fun because they're doing the same thing they did in the nineties, but they're doing it with this technological spin and and the fact that she's on social media and she's texting and then I don't know. There's it it, it kind of does the same scary feeling right. that the original Scream had, but they very much aware that it's 2022 or whatever, as oh, opposed cool. to being 1992. Oh, when did this come out? Was it 96? Did you say? Yeah, uh, 96. The film came out. Yeah, but yeah, obviously gosh. it's very much sort of a generic 90s era yeah. film. Um, I did find out a cool little fact for it. Uh, the gentleman who does the phone voice. Uh, is a guy called Roger Jackson. And I was just briefly going through some of his previous uh, sort of filmography. And I found that he did a TV show called Little Big Awesome, where he played Mr. Sprinkles, Space Crab and Lamp Post. <laughs> imagine, imagine being credited as lamppost. Imagine when he, imagine when he dies, and the obituary says, best known for roles as Space Crab and the lamppost. <laughs> Oh, so, yeah, so I, yeah, I enjoyed that greatly. Yeah, um, I do. <clears throat> right. Fan. So, yeah, that was my recommendation. I love watch, it. I love it. Watch Mr. Sprinkles terrorise a 90s town in America. <laughs> right. Should we get into the meat of our episode, which was the film we both agreed to talk about um, yes. and, and rewatch because neither of us had watched it in a long, long, long time. Um this film is uh, has sparked a huge cult following, including a uh, long and profitable franchise of sequels. Uh, I'm just going to have a look at my list, actually. I can't even remember 
how many there's been. Is there 10? I think there's 10. I think there's 10. And because this I was think, certainly yeah, recognised, I think, by the BBC as one of the best-selling horror films of all time. Yeah, it's crazy. It's got yeah. theme park rides. It's got um, video game sort of scenarios. It's got spin-offs. Um, it's, it's got everything. Uh, we're talking about Saw. Um, this was the original Saw film. Uh, came out in America, two thousand and four, directed by James Wan. Um, and it's one of those where, whenever you hear this, and I actually spoke to someone at work about this the other day, James, and they were saying, "I said, oh yeah, James and I are thinking of doing Saw, um, the original one." And exactly, oh, the original one's great, isn't it? And I just kind of looked at him and went, "Has he watched it in a while?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? This is the thing where you where something receives an accolade, um, and and then it's kind of swept under the rug, forgotten about. There are sequels, prequels, remakes, and spin-offs and all sorts made of it, um, to the point where even I'd forgotten what the original one was about and what it, what it is and, and how how it was received at the time. To, yeah. to give you a bit to give you a bit of context, James, with this. Um, this is the difference. So this is Rotten Tomatoes again. This is the difference between what the audience gave it and what the critical response was at the time. Um, the critical response to Saw was 50%. So 50-50, they thought it was all right, bit shit. Yeah. Um, 84% approval rate on Rotten Tomatoes. So the fans loved it. People went to see it, thought it was great. And I think it just shows you the difference in um, the critical response versus the, the following. Yeah. Um, so... This film is primarily set in a bathroom. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it's all. It could be a stage play, couldn't it? Mm. And it's quite clever in that sense. Yeah, I, I, I wrote down in my notes that I love the fact that uh, the, the, it's constructed, like you say, mainly in one room with flashbacks to scenes where they weren't in the room. Uh, yeah. But what I love is these flashbacks sort of give you this sense of relief, like oh they're outside, they're you know they're not in the room, yeah. and then every time we get pulled back to the room, it's sort of like a fade to black, and then the camera pans down from the ceiling of this bathroom, so it's almost like you're sinking back into it again. And filming wise, that's a really clever technique, just to make mm. the audience feel like they can't escape. No matter yeah. what escapism that they're given in terms of, oh, I'm in a police station now. This is slightly better. Um, no, you're back in the room. You're still in the room. It doesn't matter where you think you yeah. are. You're always in the room. Uh, I, I really like that. I I thought, and again, we think we're going to talk about this a little bit, but I remember it probably more fondly than I thought of it this time round. Yeah. Now, I watched it last week. James, you literally watched it today, didn't you, or yesterday? Yeah, I did. It was really awkward because <clears throat> I had the window open. I'm sure everyone outside had just heard lots of screams <laughs> and crying. Um, so, yeah, uh, kind of a bit... I feel sorry for my neighbours, basically. It's, um, it's a strange thing where I remember thinking it was really clever at the time, and I think since that I've grown up a bit. I've watched a lot of movies. I've read a lot of books. And I think that we think it's smarter than it is. Yes. <clears throat> um, now, th- you know what I mean by that? This is the thing that my friend Nick said about Inception. He said, 
uh, you know, people are going on Inceptions. It's amazing uh, thing. It's a trailblazer. It's it's so unbelievable. It's so complicated. And you know, only smart people get it. And you had the same thing with the Matrix back in 1999. This thing that if you don't get it, you're just you just don't get it. That's yeah. you, you're not smart enough for it. And oh, and I hated that. I've always hated that about anything in art or, or in the arts. It's the Emperor's New Clothes, isn't it? No one wants to admit is. that they yeah. don't think it's that smart. No, I think you're right. This film, it it tries to present itself as like a, a like a moral thing um mm-hmm. i mean it, it really sets it up doesn't it with the uh, with the drug addict amanda where yeah. she yeah. finally breaks in in the police station and says he helped me yeah it's like no he didn't <laughs> he, he nearly <laughs> tore your face off um, yeah, and this is the thing again where you go like amanda's a good example because you're like amanda used to take heroin presumably or some sort of narcotic yeah um she did that to herself because she was probably mentally unstable or unhappy or depressed, right? So yes. there's a caveat there that she's not well and she needs help. But instead of getting the help she needs, she injects herself with heroin to numb the pain, right? Classic yeah. example of an addict. That, in my opinion, doesn't make Amanda a bad person. It makes Amanda a victim. Yeah. Similar to the way that Jigsaw, the, John, the, the man, is a victim of the fact that he got cancer. He didn't get cancer because he was a bad person. He got no. cancer because he got cancer. And then he got ill and then he had to try and get better. So There's a thing in this where I think it disparages between whether someone is morally bad or whether someone is just... A victim of circumstance, but then do we need to? Do you know what I mean? Like, do we torture those people? I, yeah, I found it, it a little bit silly in that respect. Yeah, it there's it sort of tries to present this this twisted but moral high ground that mm. doesn't when you look at it doesn't make sense, and it's only in the context of, I guess the fact that it does all happen in one room and really you're only seeing the reaction and interaction between two people, that kind of helps mask the fact that none of it makes sense. Because mm. you're initially, you're only given the information that these two people have in the room. And it's sort of like a slightly dirty, weird version of an escape room Yeah, uh, that you're watching play out. And then you start get, get being given all this backstory about... Uh, how the the doctor was once, you know, suspected of being the jigsaw killer, mm. um, <laughs> and I do love the fact that um, someone in the film says uh, that uh, we shouldn't really call him the jigsaw killer because he he doesn't actually kill anybody because he just leaves them in a room and lets them do it themselves, and so that they're calling him the jigsaw killer when really he's sort of like the he watches people kill themselves. I guess I, it, it's. Even the film's sort of yeah. aware that the police calling him the jigsaw killer is kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, so that when we start getting all this backstory, everything starts to make progressively less sense. Yeah. Which there's is... a thing, uh, there's a few holes in this, which, again, kind of make the film, they, they make the film seem smarter than it is, but then you look at it and you think, well, that doesn't make any sense because it would never have happened anyway. Um, a big part was that Adam, who is... So Adam is captured and um, and what's the doctor's name? I'm forgetting now. Gordon. Um, Lawrence Gordon. Lawrence Gordon and Adam are captured. Put in the room. Now, as far as I can tell, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, James, Lawrence is the doctor looking out for patients. He 
he's sort of written John off as a victim who's going to pass away anyway because he's got this incurable cancer, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's also uh, having an affair with one of his interns, um, being unfaithful to his wife and child, and he's not grateful for the life he's got. So that's kind of where Jigsaw goes with, with, with Lawrence's character, trying to teach him a lesson in humility. Yeah. Which, again, is harsh, but fair enough. Adam, Adam's a man hired by Jigsaw to take photos of Lawrence and be paid money for it. And apparently yeah. that's apparently that's deemed as bad as cheating, taking heroin, being a murderer. <laughs> why is why is Adam in this? Why is Adam in there? Yeah, I mean, in the opening, he's he's sort of like Adam. You're a voyeur. And now you're going to watch someone, yeah, know, up close and personal. Yeah. It, he doesn't need to be involved, really. I mean, is but... Adam a voyeur? He's not really a voyeur. He's a he's just a investigator, isn't he? Basically, yeah. I so... mean, a voyeur is someone who's like creepily watching people in their windows, sort of, you know, playing with themselves. And Adam's just out in car parks taking photos of someone for money. He doesn't know why he's doing it. No, no, and he he doesn't really know until he's met. Gordon. Hmm. He doesn't know his name. Because if Jigsaw, cause... if Jigsaw is a random man paying me to spy on you yeah. and look out my window at you, then he's capturing me and accusing me of being a voyeur. I'm like, well, I'm only a voyeur because you paid me to be one. Absolutely, I wasn't actually one before this. I, so I, I just, I don't understand the logic behind that at all. It, it's really weird, and obviously the um, that there's a scene at the beginning of the film that shows uh, Gordon being a good doctor. You know, he, he's on rounds yeah. training future doctors. And the person <clears throat> in the bed, obviously, we later find out, spoilers, is Jigsaw. Yeah. And he gets called away from his rounds because Danny Glover's turned up to interview him because he's suspected of being Jigsaw. So the Jigsaw murders have happened prior to Jigsaw meeting Gordon. Because, mm. yeah. you know, so effectively... Jigsaw doing his murdering, you know, in in the room with the barbed wire, and uh, there's one where the guy's got a candle and he's covered in sort of flammable material. That so, one was good. Yeah, uh, we well, say good. I mean, it was <laughs> it was clever. Uh, it was but, clever, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> those have already happened. So effectively, Jigsaw's actions are preventing Gordon from helping Jigsaw. Mm. And you, you realize that, you're like. Everything that Jigsaw has done, he could have maybe had some help with his cancer, but yeah. instead of getting that, he's disrupted Gordon by getting the police involved because he tries to frame Gordon. Yeah, but I don't know why. Exactly. <laughs> why? None of that makes any sense to me either. So um, there's obviously the reason Gordon is then sort of not a suspect anymore is because he alibis out because he's seeing mm. somebody. Again, yeah. that doesn't make a lot of sense because he turns up to see this person with a briefcase. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I'm watching the film going, well, I can't work out. Is, is she getting like treatment for something that they don't want the doc, you know, the hospital to know? Because yeah. she's one of the, the nurses or, or doctors on the rounds with Gordon at the beginning? Or, or is it meant to be a sexual... Because... He never actually admits to it being a sexual thing. No, he doesn't. And there's no evidence of the sexual act of no. any kind. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I... there's a lot of, sort of lack of clarity about this. So, you, you start to think, well, maybe Jigsaw's got the wrong end of the stick. You know? I think, yeah, I think if, like, one of them was a corrupt cop and the other a paedophile, 
it would have been a better film because the moral lines would have been better. Yeah. I don't think that the moral implication in this film that Jigsaw thinks that these two people who must die at the end, yeah. um, whether Lawrence and, and, and Adam deserved to die the way they did. Um, and I, I kind of understand it with the one where Jigsaw abducts the guy who tried to commit suicide and says, you wanted to commit suicide, but you didn't do it properly. Um, I'm going to put you in a room where you've got to get to the other side of this room through the barbed wire. Um, how bad do you want to live? Do you want to live or not? And yeah. I'm like, okay, so he's punishing that man because that man chose to take his own life versus uh, Jigsaw, who hasn't got a choice. But, yeah. But then you, like you said, there's another thing where you go, clearly the man that went to take his own life was not well. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like he did it thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my own life. Screw all these people in the hospital. That He's not thinking like that, is he? Like, no, no one's thinking that. So... Oh, I don't know. It just frustrated me a bit. Um, I read this bit and I thought I'm going to read to you, James, which is about the reveal. Um, Does Adam have a choice in the bathroom? Because when Adam first wakes up in the bath, he inadvertently unplugs the bathwater, which lets the bathwater go down the drain along with the key. Um, And that's right at the beginning. Yeah. Spoiler alert. The real issue is when Jigsaw reveals at the end to Adam... Um, game over, he uses the word the key is in the bathtub not the key was in the bathtub that creates a contradiction even in the film Saw 3, retcon where Kramer is upset with Adam over, uh, sorry with Amanda over the key placement is put aside Jigsaw has to know the key is already gone or he can't know that Adam has failed in the task yeah if the original Jigsaw killer doesn't know the key is gone and Adam has a time limit he would take it with him. If Jigsaw doesn't know the key is gone, Adam doesn't have a time limit, he wouldn't tell him where the key is. Jigsaw must have known the key would get lost before the game even started. However, in the case, he would um, chastise Adam for throwing the hacksaw out of reach, not only criticise him for that, but for the key that went down the drain before he was even fully awake. Um, so it, basically, it's a plot hole, but it, they're saying it's not a plot hole. But Adam would never have won. So Adam's game isn't really fair. <laughs> no, no, he was never getting out of that room. No, whereas Lawrence's thing is basically, as my wife said at the beginning, oh, has he got to cut his own foot off to get out? Because she'd never seen it before. Yeah. And I was like, I've, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, that is it. He's, they're both chained up. They can't get out. The only way Adam's going to get out is he either cuts through his own foot to get out or he kills Adam and then Jigsaw releases Larry. But we assume he wasn't going to do that anyway. Yeah, because there was nothing to indicate that Jigsaw would have let either of them go. No. Especially if he was there the whole time. Yeah. It's also just a bit silly, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> and then I realised that Danny Glover is the worst copper ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's really not thinking things very clearly either, is he? He's, he's running in, shooting his gun off, shooting yeah. his mouth off, and he's, that's why everything goes goes to pot, really, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, the you know the jigsaw character somehow has like an Assassin's Creed style knife that he never ever uses again. Yeah. Um, and and gets away. Um, oh, it's yeah. I think the ending's supposed to be so shocking that the body in the middle of the floor was jigsaw the whole time, but that was that was already foreshadowed by the coppers saying he likes to book front row seats to his own murder fest. Yes, yeah, um, which is fine. I get that. Uh, that's quite clever. 
Um, I don't understand why Jigsaw um, coerced Zep, the orderly. Yeah. Because presumably Zep had done absolutely nothing wrong apart from talking to John, uh, cleaning his bedroom, cleaning his, you know, his, his room when he was in the hospital. Uh, Zep just works at the hospital. There is no illusion at all. Uh, nothing's alluded to that, that Zep has done anything negative at all at any point. No. no so the... why did Zep have to die in the game? I don't really understand what he's punishing him for. No, the only thing I could put it down to is maybe because he says uh, Gordon keeps referring to John as the patient. And mm. Zep says, oh, his name's John. He's a really interesting person. You know, sort of indicating if you get to know him, he's really interesting. Yeah. Maybe Zep knew too much. That yeah. was the only thing I could think of that would say that's why Jigsaw would choose to target Zep. Or, you know, obviously in the, in this game, Jigsaw's having to stay put on that floor the whole time. So he needed yeah. a, and you know, he needed a, an antagonist. A yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Zep just feels like, um, you know, a, a, an innocent that's been targeted in a, in a really cruel way. Zep feels it, for me like the um, the misdirection of the director to go. I'll just make them all think it's the orderly. Um, yeah. But why would the orderly be involved? What's he done? We're not going to explain any of that. He's just going to be in it. We're going to assume he is Jigsaw, and at the end, we're going to reveal he's not. You're like, oh, that's kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it it is a it's a cool reveal. Mm. But at the same time, it's only it's only a reveal because you've had so much information kept from you. Yeah. Um, with regard to to Zep, and I, I suppose they try and do a little bit of a misdirect with Danny Glover's character as well. You know, they sort of insinuate it could be him mm. that's that's you know the bad guy because he he goes mad afterwards. And but it's. It, it, none of it sort of feels rewarding at the end. No, you, you don't feel like, oh, that was that that tricked my brain a little bit. That was that was good. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a a good example of a film that does it more successfully, where you go, yeah. oh, that was a that was a great reveal. Um, but yeah, this this isn't that. When you get to the end of it, it isn't a, <laughs> oh wow, it's more of a. Uh, yeah, that I agree. I agree with that. You kind of go, I want to extrapolate some stuff from that, but I feel like I'm giving it more credit than it deserves. It is essentially the start of a thriller, a slasher series, yeah. which has made a lot of money. Uh, whether or not you agree that it's justified in its critical response, I don't think it is as good as people make out. And I think going back, I'd probably give it a sort of five or six out of ten. Um it was gory and entertaining. I thought the bits where there was genuine gore and blood, I thought they worked really well. They looked amazing. Yeah. Um, I was quite happy by it. I like the fact at the end that Adam decides to try and trick Jigsaw by trying to pretend he's killed Adam and then he has to cut his own foot off. So I thought those bits worked really well. And like you said, the yeah. bits in the bathroom are quite intriguing. It, it holds your attention for the duration of the movie. Yeah. I, I thought for me that the, the best bit of horror in the film was actually when it showed you what happened to Amanda. Mm. And and the fact that um, Jigsaw's video shows Amanda how the device on her face works. Yeah. On the melon, I think it is. is it, it explodes a melon on the video. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, and that is the that's the horror, isn't it? Knowing that she's got this on her, and I I was like, that's that's so much scarier than 
than the little jigsaw clown thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's that concept that you know what will happen, and you know you're on a timer, mm. and, and and that build there was brilliant. So yeah, that there are. The the horror moments in the film are fantastic. It fails when you start pulling the cord on some of the logic of the film. It starts to fall apart a little bit. I think I remember the second one being more interesting than the first one. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, and again, I won't spoil it for anyone listening, but the second one has an interesting twist at the end. It's different to what you'd expect. And I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. I didn't get, I didn't guess that was going to happen. I was looking for it the whole time. Um, should we do some facts? Let's do some <laughs> facts. I have five facts for you, Jake. Okay, I'll let you do these because I I got a couple, but I didn't oh, know how many you got. So amazing! I'll well, see no. if I've got any of the ones that you got. Lovely. Yeah. So we'll do the theme. And here are the facts. So, fact number one, mm-hmm. director James Wan built the Jigsaw doll for the film. No way. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, so he built that, <laughs> he built that Jigsaw doll. It's so freaky, that little thing, isn't it? It is. It's, it's brilliant. And um, it, obviously, it just... The, the limited movement it has, I think, it helps add, it, it add tension and creep factor because it doesn't move like a yeah if it was like a fully cgi chucky type thing yeah it wouldn't work um so fact number two there are no exterior shots for the film because the production team could not afford them no way so this goes back to you know how we mentioned earlier that some um some films they borrow from korean stories and other Mm -hmm. films are from shorts so uh one had actually done a short uh which was just an earlier scene of the film and that's what helped get this film made that's great so so but it was on a really low budget which is one of the reasons why it's been able to recoup so much money yeah because it costs so little to make yeah and linked to that is the car chase scene at the end now in my notes i wrote down that the car chase is filmed a bit like it's mario kart and it sort of loses some of the tension Mm. because it's just Literally, the car chase film was filmed in the garage of the warehouse where everything else was filmed by turning off the lights, adding some fog, and shaking the cars while filming the front. That's brilliant. So they weren't actually moving at all in those those cars. So that's fact number three. Uh, Fact number four, Tobin Bell, who plays Jigsaw, lay face down for all of the scenes in the set of the bathroom. No dummy was used. What? Really? Yeah, that's actually Tobin Bell on the floor the entire time because they couldn't afford to make a a lifelike (laughs) dummy. So, yeah, Tobin Bell. And uh, this is a little... We don't really see him anyway until the end. It could be any old thing, couldn't it? it, Exactly. But, yeah, it's him the whole time. That's great. I like that one. Uh, Which is made more impressive by my fifth fact that it was filmed in a total of 18 days. So obviously yes. they weren't completely in there for 18 days. And a slight that is side... torture, isn't it? They had to oh. be chained to the radiator for 18 days. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was all filmed, apparently, in chronological order as well. So ah. uh, that was done to give the actors a sensation of what they would be going through. Yeah. But yeah, it was filmed in, in uh, film chronology all the way through. Um, and a slight little side fact about Tobin Bell... For anyone who is a fan of the TV series The Flash, 
he voices one of the bad guys, Savitar. Ah. And it, it, it's, it's just his jigsaw voice. So I was watching The Flash. I go, that, hey, that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Jigsaw. It's just the guy who voiced Jigsaw. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that is, th- those were my five slash seven facts I think I gave you, but uh, that's what I found out when I was doing a bit of research. Apparently the puppet is called Billy. <laughs> I love that. I didn't find that. Billy the puppet. Aww, yeah, I didn't know Bill. that until I did some research for this. Um, Billy the puppet. It. I was kind of unaware the puppet were in, was in the first one. Um until obviously later on when the TV comes, because I was like, "There's no TV in the bathroom, so I don't know where this puppet's going to come from." Yeah, uh, and obviously he's not in the bathroom bit at all. It's all done on the on the tapes. But um, yeah, I really like the uh, I really like that puppet. It's kind of cool. Yeah, adds a bit, freaky element, a horror element to it. Yeah, the bit where it, it enters the room on the tricycle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very freaky. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't know. It it's all done for spectacle and silliness, but it does work. It gives that overall, like you say, creepy Halloween vibe, and yeah. it's become iconic. Everyone sees that doll. You know exactly what it is, even if you can't remember the film. You know what that doll is. Yeah. So it clearly worked in that sense. But yeah, it's sparked a lot of sequels, including the new one. the The new film apparently is the it's a direct sequel to the second one. Oh, okay. So, so it's a lot like closer a... to home than the other ones that all spin out of control because there's so many of them. Right, um, right. I know one of them is a spin-off. Uh, so what we have here, we've got Saw 2, Saw 3, Saw 4, Saw 5, Saw 3D, Saw 2017 Jigsaw. Uh, nine sequels. Wow. And, yeah, it's a whole lot of murdering in rooms. Which is mad for James Wan. It must be kind of yeah. like strange, like you said, seeing it being so low budget to have achieved such an accolade and become so popular so quickly. Yeah. Um, there's one called Spiral, um, which is a spin-off sequel. Right. God, yeah. this it, it is a, a real sort of web of films now, isn't it? It's more mm. more than just just about you know the character Jigsaw. It's gone beyond that, hasn't it? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. But like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad. And I think it's a good one for Halloween if you've not watched it to at least say you've seen it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's one of those films that you do have to watch at least once. And that, yeah. we, we've criticised some of the logic, but as, as you're watching the film, that isn't always as apparent. No, it's yeah, definitely you, enjoyable. You, yeah, you're going you're gonna to enjoy it watching it. <clears throat> right. I think that's our Halloween special uh, boxed off. <laughs> definitely. Oh, well, um, it was good to do it again. Uh, yes, apologies, same. everybody, for the the gap. We'll call it the gap. The happening. Oh, that's that's no, that's a terrible film. Don't watch. Yeah, that, that is a terrible film. Don't watch that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll get together for the next step. We'll do another franchise, and we'll box through that. We're still thinking about doing Matrix, so Matrix will probably end up being the next one that we do because it was always yeah. the plan, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Um. So we've got four of those to review, James, not just one. There's four of them. Okay, well, if you're going to apply logic to things and reality, <laughs> be, that, be that way. Uh, no, I'm looking forward to it, especially the first one, because I had you know, was, fond memories. What was ironic is that we've waited so long since making the Alien episodes that by the time we get to our next franchise, a new Alien would have come out, I think. I think it comes out next year. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know. We better, we better get that done quick. Uh, we will. <laughs> Right, thanks for listening, guys. Check us out on Instagram, as always, and leave us a review on uh, the podcast app. It's always good for us to have a read. 
lovely. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>